Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White, and thanks for downloading Outspoken. On today's show, myself, Simon Jordan, and Danny Murphy discuss the potential sale of Tottenham Hotspur and look ahead to a huge game in the Premier League as Arsenal host Manchester City tonight. Plus, is Jesse Marsh the right man for Southampton? This morning, it's myself, First Minister of Scotland, uh, Simon Jordan and Danny Murphy were with you all the way through until one o'clock. Uh, Danny, I was doing a bit of channel hopping last night. I was watching a bit of Tottenham in Milan, watching a bit of PSG up against uh, Bayern Munich. But on Tottenham, they lose 1-0. They're still very much in this tie, incidentally, aren't they? But how do you judge Spurs and their overall progress? Because that is the question. That's what it comes down to. Um, well, first and foremost, I think last night was acceptable. I think the two young lads in midfield... Did well. There was a worry and concern there with the three main players they normally they choose from not available. It gives them an opportunity to to get them at home with the crowd behind them and really go after them. So I think he'll be. Well, you're never happy with a defeat. It's it's bearable, and the performance was okay. I was like you. I was skipping between. In terms of Tottenham overall, I think they've they've stuttered a bit this season. I think there was a genuine hope with the signings they made in the summer that they would progress and be better. The biggest argument, of course, is what the fans are seeing on the pitch in terms of entertainment, in terms of Conte's pragmatism, in terms of the way they set up continually with a unwillingness to change. That's probably the biggest concern. And ultimately, if they're trophyless and don't finish in the top four this season, he's failed. Yeah. Conte, and that, that would be it. Conte was interesting afterwards because he's he's saying, first off, regards this tie, we're still very much in it. Indeed. We can do it. Have a listen. It was a pity to, to consider goal after uh, five minutes. Because I think that in this uh, specific situation, uh, we could do much better. We are talking about uh, the first game for the qualification. Uh, there are two games, I hope, but I'm sure that uh, in the second game in uh, our stadium, Tottenham Stadium, uh, uh, I know I know that our fans will create uh, uh, an important atmosphere to push us uh, and uh, to overcome uh, uh, Milan obstacle. I mean, that's those are the noises he should be making, Simon, yes. shouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. I think there's also, you know, you've got to look at the Spurs situation with no defence of Daniel Levy and 
what people will consider to be a lack of ambition to compete with those that have got endless amounts of money and don't have the same constraints that possibly Tottenham have. As I ask myself the question, with the PSG performance last night getting beaten by Munich, would Tottenham win the French League if they were playing in the, t- in the French League? I suspect they probably would. They have a good chance. Right, so then put Tottenham into that situation and say, how have PSG, who've spent more money than, than most of us can ever consider, how, how have they done besides win a league that Tottenham would win if they were competing in it? And then look at Tottenham's achievement in the league, which is far more competitive against a group of clubs that have far more innate ability and finances than Tottenham would compete against another league. So I think we've got to compare what Tottenham are actually achieving rather than the brouhaha and the hullabaloo that goes around the fact that Tottenham won't go toe-to-toe with the other football clubs and don't win anything. Mm. I do have to think, to think sometimes, without over-politicising the argument, that you have to be realistic about what your expectations mm. are when you're competing against sides that have infinitely more financial muscle than you do. But tell me what they're achieving. Well, they're competing. <clears throat> they're achieving well, as of a... Of course they're competing. Ten, That's the least they can tw- do. 20 years ago, Tottenham were nigh on bust. They were a mid-table side. 25 mm. years ago, they were practically bust. You know, so with that in mind, you've now got a football club that's financially well healed, hasn't won what it should have won, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in really big moments, Champions League finals. PSG have spent billions and have got to Champions League finals and have done no better. I know I'm making an example of PSG, which is not relevant to the Premier League, but I'm giving you an example of powerhouses in, in football and what your expectations can really be when we've got a league that's full of powerhouses. So I d- I'm not trying to give Daniel a pass. No, no. I'm looking at it pragmatically and saying, what have they achieved? They are competing for the top four in this division most seasons. Well, Sam, well many, argue- many Tottenham fans, Danny, sorry to jump in, yep. many Tottenham fans would argue it's time for change at the top. Now, some of those fans might just be about wishes, to yeah. get their wish because this has just dropped in the Financial Times. The Iranian-American billionaire Jam Najafi is said to be preparing a huge $3.75 billion takeover bid for Tottenham. Um, uh, Najafi is the chair of MSP Sports Capital. He's working with a consortium of investors and the bid is being structured. It is now weeks away from being put in front of Joe Lewis, who is the out-and-out owner of Tottenham and the football club uh, chair. Daniel Levy. So, uh, not only Manchester United uh, at the centre of takeover talks, Tottenham now too. Well, if you remember about two or three months ago, I said to you, I think there's going to be an influx of American interest in Premier League football clubs. I think that they feel the rain group that are at the front of this sort of thinking think there's a real opportunity now for the banking community and the investment community to look at football in a completely different way. And so they are beginning to see that. Now, this is a long way from being anything that's going to move past significant initial discussions. Yeah. And again, it's a deal that's going to be structured with private equity and funding. It's not going to be philanthropic. It's not going to be a nation state dropping in and saying, we just don't care. We're going to spend money how we feel like. We're going to be able to set the, the heather on fire. But it is, in, it is a significant situation for Tottenham. Mm. And it will be a significant situation. Of course, Tottenham fans will light on it, but anyone but Levy. Would it be the right time for Lewis and Levy to sell up? At £3 billion... Three point seven five billion, yeah, US dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah three billion quid. Bite their arm off at the shoulder. Absolutely, absolutely. Three billion pounds for Tottenham. Depends how much debt they're going to take, and if they've got, a, they've got. A, it depends how much the stadium plays into this, and what the whole shape of the deal is. But if Joe Lewis gets to walk away, and Daniel get to walk away with three billion pounds, I should imagine they'll sprint. Three billion quid. I mean, the Glazers are looking for five or six billion. Tottenham aren't the Man United, are they? Do you no. not think Daniel loves it though? Would you think he's been in it that yeah, long? I do. He does I do. love it, doesn't I, he? And I also feel that Daniel wants to see the landscape of the football world change slightly to a sustainable model. I think yeah. he has very strong beliefs that football should be sustainable and that everybody should, at the very least, have to break even. Which is And correct. I actually have sympathy with that. I do, yeah. What do you think of these figures, Simon? 2.5 billion of that is equity, 600 yeah. million is debt. 
it's not bad, is it? Twenty percent debt. So you think, yeah, if you're the, if you're the seller in this in the, in this instance, and we've yet to find out if Lewis and Levy are the sellers, if they will sell, you would say, yeah, it's I, it's attractive enough for them to say yes to. Well, it. I mean, knowing Daniel as I do, that if someone comes knocking on his door with that price, he'll want to push it further forward and push it up. But it's an interesting starting point. The debt ratio to equity. But don't forget the equity will come with a cost as well because there'll be private equity equity in that that will want to return on their money. So mm-hmm. it's not just straightforward equity for equity's sake. It has equity with a sting in its tail. But that's not a problem because that's how big businesses are bought. And when you're starting to buy football clubs now, and really, because for the last 10 years, we've constantly listened to Deloitte throwing out valuations of football clubs. and No one's ever bought one at those valuations. There's always been this potential. Now we're really beginning to see a maturing of the investment industry saying, football, that'll do for me because we haven't scratched the surface yet. We haven't yeah. really begun to uh, to test the water of mm. how big broadcasting and influences football clubs can be. It's a London club, Tottenham, of course, and a yeah. huge one at that with a magnificent stadium. Yeah. And yet, if they accepted this bid, 3.75 billion US dollars, it, it would make them less valuable than, say, Liverpool. Well, I think they probably are. Well, they I, are. I mean, I think if you look at globally, the, if you look in the role call, I, I, was, I use a, a sort of music analogy to compare football teams in this country. If you look at the, if you look at Man United, they're the Beatles. Liverpool, the Rolling Stones, and probably Man City, are Roxy Music. So they've all got value in in, in, in their positioning. Who's Roxy Music? Brian Ferry. Okay. Great band. Where band did the Proclaimers come in in this one? <laughs> um, uh, that's probably <laughs> Brighton. And who's right, said Fred? <laughs> <laughs> so I, wish, the, I wish I hadn't pulled it up. Well, now. that's the news we're getting, Danny. At the moment, the Iranian American billionaire Jamna Jaffe is preparing a 3.75 billion US dollars takeover bid for Tottenham. Um, the Jaffe is the chair of. We can do a bit of homework in this yeah. time, and while we're in the break, MSP, MSP Sports Capital, Capital yeah, yeah. Uh, and is working with a consortium of investors. It's said to be maybe days, maybe weeks. Away Away from approaching Lewis and Levy and saying, there it is, take it or leave it. We shall see what happens with that. Want it in the public domain, though, don't they? That's interesting. Isn't they want it? it out there, don't they? 2.5 billion is equity, 600 million uh, is debt. A lot to get through this morning, of course, there is. And the small, I jest, huge matter of uh, Arsenal Manchester City to come tonight. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station. To Sport. We're looking forward to a massive game tonight, Mr. Danny Murphy. Arsenal hosting Manchester City. And of course, uh, many Arsenal fans believing this is crucially important in terms of them going on, winning this, and then winning the Premier League itself. So, Danny, is it a Premier League Cup final tonight that we're going to see? It's a biggie. It's a biggie. I don't think it's the be all and the end all for either. I think. Um... If Arsenal beat them, I don't think that's the end for Man City. And I think if City beat them, I don't think it's the end for Arsenal. But it's um, it'll be a huge psychological blow to whichever one loses. It, it means you, you know, for Arsenal, you start to think, oh my God, this run's going on, and yeah, here, yeah. Co- here comes City. And for City, it'll be just create that. I think gap. the difference between the two sides is that Man City have been here, seen it, and they'll grind out these results, and they'll grind out, and they'll start to double down, and that's what they're starting to do now. I think if Manchester City win tonight. I think they'll win the league. I think there's less pressure on if City. If Arsenal win tonight, I'm not entirely sure the race is over because I just think there's so many young players at Arsenal that are beginning to become a little bit overwhelmed to a certain extent. Not overwhelmed because they're not big enough to cope with the situation, but inexperienced in the scenario. Right, but you and think yet, if City win tonight, they win the league? I do, yeah. I, I do, I do. I think, I think the likely outcome is probably a draw, but I think if City were to win tonight, the wheels start turning. 
it starts to crank up now and cities start to get into that rhythm, into that into that mode of, opera- of operating that we're so familiar with and grind out results. And I don't mean grind them out in terms of win games they shouldn't win. I mean get into that rhythm where they start beating everybody and beating them very, very Exactly. They've been there and done it. They know how to do it, Danny. So if they win there tonight, as Simon says, all roads lead to the finish line if you're a City fan. I think that would they? be fair. I think that would be a fair assumption to make. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not a guarantee, of course, but it's a huge one. I am... Um, I think for Arsenal, it's it's about carry on. Don't forget why you are where you are. Don't play any differently to what you've just because you you drew with Brentford and lost to Everton. You don't change what you've been doing all this time. You know you're talking about little little differences in games that that take away the result from you. But generally, their football's been of a really high level and playing the right. I don't think they'll change at all. I don't think they'll do. I don't yeah. think you'll see a. a um, some sort of master plan from Arteta to stop City. I mean, you might see a different plan from Arteta. Uh, sorry, from Pep because he changed. From changing. But you're seeing certain younger players starting to come right into the spotlight. Saliba's making a few more mistakes. Nketiah isn't really the answer for me. He's a good player, but unless he gets the ball exactly where he wants to, he's not as effective as he can, <clears throat> as other players could be in that position. I just think that Arsenal are ahead of schedule in expectation, ahead of schedule in terms of the team and all its component parts. But they're there. Yeah. So come if the moment. You've got to take it. So I'm not suggesting that they should be grateful for if they finish second in the league because they're top of the league right now. But Man City are they're at it again, despite Pep Guardiola giving trying to spin us a yarn. That, you know what's our motivation? Oh, your motivation is because you're outstanding footballers and that's what you do. Do you know what I, I understand the, the feeling that this Rolls Royce of a of a team, Man City, could start you know, revving their engines again, if you like. But actually, when you break it down, the second half against Villa was a bit lax. Villa had a lot of chances. But the game against Tottenham, they created very little. Tottenham beat them. And not a Tottenham side playing particularly well. But Tottenham did a lot of time. They're I know, I know. I'm just giving the reality of him. If yeah. I'm in the Arsenal camp, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm being careful to make sure the players understand they're not coming up against this team that's 110 on the spin and I flying. Harlan might be missing. Yeah, true. They know this. So tonight's a... match is the ninth meeting between Pep and Arteta, and and Pep's won seven of, yeah. of the eight so far. So I mean, he holds this way hugely. Very keen to get your take on this, though, because of course we heard from Arteta before this game. We heard from Guardiola as well. But Guardiola spoke to the media and began it in a completely different fashion that surprised many people. Of course, all the talk in recent days has been uh, Manchester City's alleged breaches of financial regulations. And Pep said a few things about that the other day. He took aim at Steven Gerrard's mistake in the match between Liverpool and Chelsea all those seasons ago. And again, Liverpool, going so close to winning a title, ended up not winning it on that occasion. And Pep decided to make a full apology for that. Before I start the press conference, I want to say something. I apologise to Steven Gerrard for my unnecessary and a stupid comment I said the last time about uh, him. He knows how I admire him and his career, what he has done for, for this country that I am living in a training session. I am training, I am a shape of myself, what I said, because he doesn't deserve it. I truly believe my, my comments, what I said in my previous conference about I defend my club, but uh, I didn't represent my club well, putting his name in this stupid comment, so... I apologize, I said to him personally, but like I comment publicly, I have to do it here as well. So I'm so sorry for him, for Alex, his wife, kids, family, because uh, it was stupid. I'm sorry, says Pep. Did he need to do that, Simon? Well, I think there's something to be said for it, because um, 
Also, I think there's a little bit of um, a contrived and confected um, uh, apology in some of it because I think that Manchester City want to be the victim of this situation. Everyone's got an agenda against them. When he starts throwing around analogies about Stephen Gerrard, he loses the high ground that he wanted to take with his Vito Corleone impression. You know, in the in the uh, in the uh, in the press conference he did last week. Yeah, I think it's abs- I think it's a genuine apology. Yeah, I think it's an honest apology. I think it shows a side of Pep Guardiola that people should appreciate and respect. In check Daniel Levy at the time. Does he owe him an apology too? Um, different context. You know, you're talking about a player's error on a pitch against a contrived agenda that they believe they're victims of. They genuinely believe the Man City group and, and, and Pep Guardiola and all their fans that there's a conspiracy theory from UEFA. That, with that in mind, Daniel Levy forms part of that. So they, he won't apologise for that, but he will apologise for a genuine error from a footballer on a pitch and using that as an example to highlight... It was a bizarre ridiculous. analogy, wasn't it? Yeah. It, was it was bizarre. a bizarre one. You know Stephen Gerrard very well, Danny. Will he have been affected, hurt by what Guardiola said? No, I, I think he probably just would have thought, oh, has he gone there? Yeah, Come on. Um, but... Stevie's the type, when he found him a play, he'd, he'd have taken it. He'd have, he'd have let it go. I mean, we've all said things we regret. We've all liked to hold our hands up now and again. I think you, you've got to choose the right moment. You shouldn't be going around, walking around life, apologising for everything that comes out of your mouth. But that's and, right to do. That was right to do. Because he's a big voice, do. and it was a big subject matter, and it takes a man to stand up and say, I'm not just going to apologise on the QT. I'm going to apologise in the public domain. Mm. I said it in a public domain. Sure. And whilst I'm not apologising to the media and I'm not apologising to those that listen to it, and I don't think he needed to extrapolate it out because I'm sure, you know, Stephen Gerrard's wife isn't walking around crying her eyes out because of something that he said she about, wouldn't his, care. about his To be fair to Guardiola, Simon, he could have made the apology to Gerrard, as Danny says, over the phone and not mentioned but I think it to the media. But, but, it, but it's a public domain business and he made the comments in public. Mm. So it's right. The principle of what he said was right. Who wins so it tonight, Danny? Who wins it? I'm, I'm with Simon Lee. I think a draw is an obvious result. I'll tell you who will want to win it. And I'm, from being at Tottenham, this is hard to say. But for the, And I've said it before, and people want to laugh at me in there, but for the good of football, I hope Arsenal beat them. And that's not to do with the financial irregularities of what's all the accusation. That's nothing to do with it. It's just this monopoly Man City have had on the Premier League and this constant domination. I know Liverpool have gone toe-to-toe with them for years. But it would be, I think, bloody good for football if Arsenal get, get over I'm the I'm inclined line. to agree with that, Simon. Are you? Mm. Yeah. Yep. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Your 100% essential download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. We await an announcement from Southampton that Jesse Marsh, remember him, is a new manager. But that's what we're told they're going to announce. Meantime, Leeds United have announced that uh, the people who have been in interim control, Michael Scubala, Paco Gallardo and Chris Armas, they will remain in charge for upcoming fixtures. No hard and fast timescale to that, but upcoming fixtures. Danny is, w- is with us, it being a Wednesday. Mr Danny Murphy, Liverpool legend, is in our midst. Danny, what, what do you make of it? Jesse Marsh, and I was putting it out there yesterday, and a lot of Leeds fans were coming on to Simon and myself and Southampton fans. Jesse Marsh, in, in, in one instance, not good enough, say the Leeds United Board of Directors, but good enough for us, say Southampton. I was a little bit surprised, if I'm honest. I like him. I, I saw an improvement in Leeds, obviously, when he kept them up. I know it was by the skin of the teeth, but they did improve. And I think they've been bloody unlucky this season. And with a bit better finishing in the final third and a bit more luck gone their way, they wouldn't have been in the position they were. And I think he'd probably still be in a job. Now, there are people who would say the opposite to that. You know, he's a little bit one-dimensional tactically, didn't change. There's been a lack of width, I think, at times in Leeds play, which hasn't helped them. Picking certain players ahead of others that question marks some of the fans have had so it's a bit strange that a team is employing a manager who's been let go by another team in a similar position it, it is a strange one but I do think he has some qualities that so you're kind of having it well I understand anyone they anyone Southampton bring in is now is a risk yes yeah it's a gamble so I should say it's a gamble because they're struggling they can't win well, it's risky you're right Danny but he, he is he'll demand a lot in terms of high energy he'll he'll get them going in terms of press and, and going after games, he's not going to sit back and be pragmatic. So they want to have a go. But my gut feeling ultimately is that you are on a hide into nothing because of the the fans will already be against it because, he, because in brackets, he failed at Leeds. And I think the first thing, it's you can't base a managerial appointment just based on what the fans want, I get. But when you have just made a, an error in your last appointment and the fans weren't on board straight away for various reasons. I think the next time you appoint someone, you want the fans on board with you. And, and right I, just, I just don't can't see how they will be. Well, I mean... That's, you, that's, a, that's a mountain You had more plan. information than many, Simon, yesterday yep. because some insight you got out of Southampton. But they feel absolutely they're doing the right thing. Well, I think they feel... Well, they felt the same way about Nathan Jones, let's be honest. Yes. Right? So let, we can't take too much in that as being the ultimate answer. There's a lot of reasons why they think it will work and why they imagine it will work. And I would imagine they imagine it would work because of the RB Red Bull model that came that comes with him and the understanding of what Hassan Hootle built underneath the auspice of that Red Bull model at Southampton in terms of the thinking. So there's going to be a connect mm. there. Imagine how much he knows about the Leeds dressing. The team that's going to get dragged into the relegation battle the Southampton are going to try and replace is Leeds. 
right? That's a team that they're going to try and jump out of and put Leeds in the bottom three and so them to come out. That's where it's going to land. It's going to be one of four or five clubs. And, and they play to, each other And they play one another. So he knows what's going on in that dressing room. I think the more embarrassing carcass is probably Leeds because not only have they fired a manager that's going somewhere else that knows all about their dressing room, they can't find one themselves. And with that in mind, I'm not for this appointment. I'm not for Jesse Marsh. I can't sit here and have said despite the fact that there's big cases being advanced about the model that the football club has at Southampton and the likelihood that he'll bring the players up to a different level because Nathan Jones didn't connect with the players uh, and and the attitude and response to him will be positive because he's a feel-good factor around the place. I can't suggest that I, I, you know, Mm. I thought he was Mr Magoo at Leeds (laughs) and then suggest that he's the second thing, best thing going in at Southampton. But I do believe, whether we like this or not, I think these football clubs, these Premier League football clubs to be in the Premier League and take one of those names or they can look around at who they really want and none of them are, are, are sprinting to St Mary's or Ellen Road. That's right. Whatever you make of that whatever yeah. you take from that, yeah. you can take what you want from it. But I do think Leeds is in a very strange position. Very strange position What's this no time scale thing with Scubala and, and Gallardo and Armas? Well I admire I mean, that the, I admire, the, I... The, No time scale means why though? Well, it means well, they need the time to find the right man at the moment. They can't get him. Well, so. I suspect that's probably what it means, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is is that they can't... They're, they're holding water. They're trying to make sure... The team itself... I mean, the Leeds team isn't lacking vitality. It isn't lacking energy. It didn't... It lacked dynamism. I it think I, I think it lacked know, know-how in certain respects. And I think Jesse Marsh was the ideal behind the know-how. Marsh, uh, Marcello Bielsa was a unique commodity... That, that re-energised Leeds after 16 years of being outside the Premier League. And, of course, he gets this hero status, and he's entitled to it. But I don't think there's much of a doubt between the significant proportion of Leeds fans that I've spoken to that there was a distinct possibility that that had run its course and he was going to get them relegated. Jesse Marsh kept him in the division by playing against Brentford in the last game of the season when Brentford were on the beach, right? and they just got out of trouble at that particular point. The irony of perception, Sean Dyche... His last job at Burnley was fired with a team that got relegated and might well have got relegated under him. Yet he's being considered an all-conquering hero going into Everton and the only saving grace they've got. Whereas Jesse Marsh kept Leeds up last year. Leeds aren't in the bottom three at this moment in time. It's been sacked by them because they don't think he's fit for purpose in the Leeds environment. And it's being vilified by certain sections of the media, including me. But mine is different because I didn't think he had the chops full stop. I can understand some of the logic behind what they're thinking. It's going to be a poop or bust situation it isn't going to be a fizzle right it's not going to drift away it's going to be he either crashes it and and smashes them out of the way and gets them out of the bottom three or they're going to go down clank i'll tell you what he'll do the one thing he will do watching his team play since he's been at leeds they'll have a go they're going to go for it they will play on the front foot i don't think it's the way to get out of it with that team but that's what but i don't think they can do anything else yeah he can yeah he can no, I'm talking about Southampton. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. I think Southampton will go and they'll have a go on the front foot and they'll play high energy. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're lacking quality, that's the worst thing well, you, you can do. But you think you've got a bank up and just be difficult to beat? It's really difficult yeah. to beat. You're 100% essential down. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.